Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is a listener question episode. Thank you, sponsors, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Heritage Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, and Upper Deck, Tops, and Panini. I'll just knock out some questions here, and hopefully one or more of them will be of interest to you, and you can fast forward if you don't think so. But first one, I think it came up in a hobby hotline or something, or I was on some other show, and the question was, what would be worse at the National if the air conditioning went out or the Wi-Fi went out? Totally. And as much as I hate to say it, the Wi-Fi is less important than the air conditioning. If the air conditioning's out, everyone is affected. If the Wi-Fi is out, a lot of people are affected, but not every single person. And it begs the question of when you're at the National, you ought to have some written notes, too, that you can get at if the Wi-Fi does go out or gets real slow at times. But if you don't have air conditioning in the middle of summer, people get heat stroke, there's health questions or concerns, I'm hoping that the air conditioning is going full. The fact that I bring a pullover just in case, because sometimes it gets cold. And actually, I'm hoping it's so crowded that the air conditioning is really working hard, because I've projected, I'm hoping that there's 50% more people since there are 50% more tables and booths. Second question along the lines of the national again. There's BYOB, but there's BYOC, bring your own chair. And uh, I remember going to kids' soccer games, sometimes you'd bring a portable chair that you could hang over your shoulder and unfold it. But I'm not going to do that at the National. But I was thinking about bringing one of these airline neck pillows. I wonder if I blow it up and seal it tight, I can sit on it because all chairs are not created equal. Some of the chairs that dealers have are more comfortable than others. And if I'm going to be sitting for a while, I probably am sitting more than standing at the National. Maybe it's 50-50, but I'm sitting a lot, and I'm trying not to stay seated for really long periods of time. But if I have a pillow, I'll feel a little more comfortable about that. Okay, third question was from Mark Zenkovich, who's written in before, and he's mentioning that he really likes the 91 Proline Portraits football set, which did the wives, coaches, players, and a lot of other interesting celebrities that had connections to football. I agree, Mark. I think that's a great idea. I'd love to see any of the card companies tackle that with a base of any of the sports. It improves the recognizability of the players, which is good because they're not necessarily shown in uniform or with a helmet on. I'm not sure the players want it. Maybe they do. I would hope they do. I was at a restaurant and I saw two athletes that I recognized and they were completely different in their presentation. I saw Devin Harris really tried to blend in with his attire. And I saw Michael Irvin a minute later, and he was really trying to stand out. I'm obviously going to recognize Michael Irvin. And I know Devin Harris from seeing him on the court so much. But I think it'd be a good idea. I'm not sure the wives would want it. But if they had photo approval, they'd probably do that. As far as the kids, I have friends of mine who were included in those pictures of the pro-line portraits. And so ostensibly they are rookie cards for the son or daughter or friend of the subject person in the pro-line portraits. So I think that's cool too. It's clearly their rookie card. And it's a good thing. So I'd love to see each company in their respective sports do a total set that had a huge 
a thousand or more, including the players, the wives, all this stuff, very inclusive and not necessarily mass produce it, but make it a very popular price product. And the reason it could be popular priced is I wouldn't have any expensive to obtain autographs in there. I'd love to see the wives and others. I'd like the autographs to be rare, but I'd like this to be a set that they're not paying for any autographs other than a nominal fee. And if they do pay, they're rare. And I'd love to see some pose variations or some SSPs. I think that would be fun as well. So, Mark, thanks for the idea. I'd love for one of the companies or all the companies to run with that idea of doing another uh, pro-line portraits for baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I'd like to see them all. And I think it could be a, a kid's product and a popularly priced product. Next was from Anthony Henderson. And he mentions that my podcast seems to be snippets of longer conversations. And he wants to know if the full versions are available or just the 15-minute condensed versions. And very respectful. I have no problem with that. Yes, they are snippets of longer conversations if they're some of my outtake episodes where I was on for an hour on another podcast and I had 12 minutes, let's say, or more of things that I addressed that I really hadn't addressed in that way on the podcast. Rather than starting over, I'm just grabbing that. So yeah, that would be like a snippet, but hopefully I'm editing it in a way that it's not fragments that don't make sense. And frankly, when I interview somebody on Zoom or even in person, I'm going to run the recorder more than 15 minutes. Then I'm going to edit it. I don't think people are misspeaking that much, but sometimes I repeat myself. Other people can do that too. And so to edit, I really... I'm pretty firm about staying within 15 minutes. I'm not sure that's what you're talking about. The full version is not available. The video versions, I do not retain. When I'm interviewing somebody on Zoom, I'm capturing the video. The video is helpful for reading facial cues when people are talking, but I only use the audio when I'm presenting on the podcast formats and the various platforms I'm on, as well as YouTube. I'm really just presenting the audio there. So sorry about that, Anthony, but thanks for asking me to clarify. Next is Austin Goodman, the card guy. Another respectful letter asking about, he's hoping I could provide him with some business insights. He'd like to turn his passion for sports cards into a business. And he's indicating that he's done that. I'm not exactly sure what that is. But his question to me is, are there any books he should be reading or workshops he should attend in order to successfully grow his business? I used to be a big book writer. And then I found out that in my own publishing life, I realized that this year's book was written last year in many cases, and so much of what is available on Amazon or online in general is wisdom that's maybe not the same depth, but is more current. And frankly, I think that if you are asking this, Austin, I, I have some training. I have done some of those things, the workshops, and had those learning experience, but I think what helped me the most I really don't think I studied general business before I started the company. I saw what other people were doing. I saw what my dad was doing and my brother and others that had businesses. But I really think what I focused on is really understanding the customer intimacy. I'd been a customer. I'd been a hobbyist for a long time and really having a deep industry knowledge. Because in the final analysis, Austin, when you're providing a product or service, you need to know what people want. You need to know what they'll pay. And then you got to figure out how much will it cost me to deliver this product or service? And is there a profit in there? Otherwise, it's a hobby. It's a hobby if you break even. It's only a business if you're making money. And some things are still a great hobby. It doesn't have to be a business. But if you wanted to be a business, then that's what I'd advise. And to me, that's worth a lot more than getting an MBA. You can get an MBA. <laughs> 
anyway, thanks for the question, Austin, and wish you well in that business. If you want further clarification, like I said, I'm a pro bono consultant, happy to help, but you probably need to give me some more specifics. Okay, here's one from Kyle, who is local. I see Kyle at the card shows, and he's had questions when sit down at the dollar box stuff with me occasionally. He says, avid Kobe fan, and he have his lucky 13 redemption card. And he wants to know what he ought to do with it. Should he try to send it in to get it redeemed, which I think it's too late for that. I've seen redemptions, 10-year-old redemptions, but this is more than 20 years. I'd hold on to it. I don't think it's highly esteemed. Maybe there's a completist Kobe person, and I've got one for Dirk. Actually, Kyle, you may be aware of this. Maybe we talked about this, but I have kept some of those, and I think it's really cool. The problem is, what does NIL mean? Name, image, likeness. None of that, Kyle, is on this card. And so if you don't have Kobe's name, you just have to know that was his draft order for that year. And that's perhaps too subtle for the mainstream collector. I get it. You get it. But no name. No image, no license, just all the cards look very similar except the number of the draft order. And I do think it's rare, yes, probably very low supply. I think most of them were turned in. I'm guessing, Kyle, that most of them were destroyed. I really don't think that they held them and they're not going to come back on the market. Like I said, no name, image, or likeness. Yes, I think they're rare. No, I'm not sure they'll ever be very valuable, even if they're a 10. It's clearly the road less traveled, and when you stay on the road less traveled, sometimes it's lonely for a long time, but it's clearly things that others are overlooking. So again, I appreciate that. So thanks, Kyle. Next is from Brett Painter, who is actually responding to the episode back 151A, which is what if the wife also collects. And he said, I always like seeing who my parents were friends with. This is Brett Painter. His parents were Bruce and Benita Painter. They were in a lot of the shows. He likes seeing who his parents were friends with at the shows. Duh. They had lots of friends at the show. Everybody liked them. They were well appreciated. They really served the industry. And that was well known. And I know you're proud of your heritage as I am of mine. However, that begs the question, Brett, how would your life turned out different if your parents were surly dealers that your mom was always complaining or that your dad was trying to take advantage of people? And I remember when you were there, you and your brother were really tiny. (laughs) And so to impress that on a formative preteen, let's say, if your dad is mean to the people, which your parents were the opposite of that. So I guess the moral of the story is if your dad is a surly dealer, don't go to the card show with him or don't hang at the table because you're going to pick up some bad habits of poor customer service and treatment. And frankly, I think when you have kids at the table, it probably helps business. You walk up and here's Bruce and Benita. They've got their sons there. They're going to be pleasant. They're going to have time for the people that walk up. And that's really how they did it. So thanks for bringing that into my memory again, Brett. You didn't choose your parents, but if you would have chosen them, you chose well. Last one here. This is from Skeppy, and I owe Skeppy one more episode where he and I batted around. But one of the things he mentioned was on the episode where I did it in my car, and he liked that, I think. I'm not sure I did like it. The quality of audio was bad. I remember I had done the descriptive audio where I was walking around in Rich's Adot show a few years ago. Again, the audio is just so bad, Skeppy. But I think maybe what you're asking about is that you liked... Again, I'm not scripting these. If I'm sitting down at my desktop or whatever medium I'm using, I think if I'm in the car, probably am a little more spontaneous. And maybe I'm rambling a little bit, and I think people don't like rambling. And yet, 
my rambling episodes with Rich are some of the most popular ones. I don't know if that's him rambling. I think it's both of us rambling. So, Skeppy, thanks for bringing that up. I'm approaching 1,000 episodes, but that doesn't mean I can't keep going, and it doesn't mean I can't experiment with some other formats. I, I have to admit, I did that again another time, Skeppy, and I recorded it, and then I wasn't real happy with it, so I brought it home and just kind of listened to it and then re-recorded it home, and it went a little smoother. It's hard to just talk for 15 minutes in a row and keep to an outline that's invisible. Thanks, everybody. Listener question episodes only happen if you ask me questions. Dr. James Beckett at gmail.com. And thank you very much for making this hobby great. Without collectors and dealers, this would not be the greatest hobby of all time. So thanks again. The man